Hello, welcome to the podcast of ideas. I'm Rob Lyons. One of the big political talking points of the moment is the rise of a ban-happy tendency on university and college campuses. Student activists who were once famed for questioning orthodoxy now seem to have become the biggest exponents of censorship in society. In 2015, Spike magazine surveyed Britain's higher education institutions to find out just how bad the situation was. Sadly, the resulting free speech university rankings found that 80% of Britain's universities restricted speech and expression in some way. This week, Spike magazine published its latest free speech university rankings, and I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Slater, Spike's deputy editor and the coordinator of the survey, to discuss the issue. So, Tom, the first free speech rankings inspire a lot of discussion about free speech on campus. Have uh, universities and student unions responded by stripping away these restrictions on expression? You'd be surprised to hear that no, at least not yet. Um, as you say, I mean, our findings were really pretty damning. I mean, this year we were looking at 90% of universities and student unions censoring speech in some way, up 10% even from last year. And it's really a damning indictment of both sides. It's a damning indictment of universities, um, institutions supposed to uphold the pursuit of truth and knowledge, and student unions, which, are, you know, in the past were supposed to be outward-looking political bodies, now seem to be obsessed with regulating everything from what speakers can be heard to what sort of fancy dress their members can wear. But it's interesting that the response has kind of been in two ways. You've got student unions, the worst at least, saying that they're very happy for their red ranking, so at least that's consistent, and a lot of concern around universities, which I actually think is a good thing. I think there's been a danger in how much this issue has exploded. There's this tendency to kind of scapegoat students, to treat it as if there's this kind of mad mob on campus who are doing away with free speech at their own hands. But really there's been a massive problem with universities being complicit in this, as well as placing their own restrictions. So no, the Response hasn't necessarily been the most cuddly, as you'd imagine, um, but that just illustrates the problem we're up against, I guess. Okay, so let's go into a bit more detail. Explain a bit more about how they are restricting speech and expression. Mm. So we rank universities in a, in a traffic light system. So red meaning that they've kind of actively censored things. So these ideas aren't allowed. This sort of speaker isn't allowed. This sort of ideas aren't allowed to be expressed. Then you've got the amber restrictions, which are effectively kind of a more slippery side of censorship don't be too offensive don't be too controversial things that are wide and open to abuse and what we found this year it's actually the vast majority which fit into the red category 55 percent in our assessment so what we're looking at here is not even a case of universities overstepping the mark of student unions perhaps being a little bit overbearing they're actively censoring ideas whether it's a speech that could be considered islamophobic transphobic right down to kind of the sillier end of censorship of things that are just that little bit offensive. So what I think our rankings have really reflected this year is that it's got much, much worse. More and more are starting to actively censor speech and expression and it's only going to be a growing problem, I think. But who's driving this? Because you were talking about students and the the rankings do say say that a lot of this does come from student unions. But you're saying at the same time it's too easy to, to, to blame students. Mm. So who is doing the censoring and you know, what's driving it, I suppose? So in terms of who's doing the censoring, it's definitely the case that student unions are far more censorious than universities. In our assessment, they're four times more likely to be ranked red when looked at individually. And I think just looking over the national press in terms of the bans on whether it's Julie Bindle, Marion Namazi, the attempts to no platform Jermaine Greer, um, banning newspapers like The Sun and some places The Daily Express, this is all student union censorship, the headline grabbing stuff. They're much more prolific at it. They seem to have a belief that censorship is bizarrely a kind of progressive thing. It's a way in which you protect minorities from offence in particular. So that's definitely where, at least on the surface of it, most of this is coming from. But I think 
the problem I was kind of gesturing to before was that the way in which over the past year this has become a headline issue, it's almost become a kind of pastime of the commentariat to just sort of wheel out these students in the Sunday papers just to give them a good rinsing. And whilst I think that's necessary to a degree, they're being ridiculous, they certainly deserve it, and their ideas need to be taken up. Um, But I think we're missing the kind of broader malaise and the broader problem that is influencing this and driving this. You can't really just put it down to some idea that this is a kind of generational blip as if they all kind of appeared from the womb with an AGM motion in hand. This is not how things play out. So, And I think there's there's so many factors which play into this, but I'd just like to point out kind of three. One of which is just the rise of this obsession with well-being, which you see particularly through schools as well as in universities as well, where students and young people are constantly encouraged to feel like anything that kind of chips their self-esteem, anything that upsets them in the slightest, is something which they should report, which they should clamp down upon. I think that's really undermining their resilience and that feeds into it to a degree i think we've also got to look at the the fact that they were raised in a multicultural society by that i mean a society that goes beyond just saying that we're tolerant of other religions and backgrounds but begins to treat um challenging someone's cultural or religious worldview as a kind of act of bigotry or interpersonal kind of imperialism this idea that there's certain backgrounds which you shouldn't or there's certain ideas rather that you shouldn't challenge on the basis of who is speaking them I think that definitely plays a role in terms of say the censorship of someone like anti-Islamist campaigner Marion Namazi someone who dares to question these things and therefore is cast as Islamophobic as a result and I think that the third thing that we can't miss is that we live in a country and these students were brought up in a country that censors speech for a wide variety of reasons from hate speech legislation we've had that for decades in this country um, through to the current government which is effectively trying to operate a nationwide no-platform policy on Islamist extremists and that's something which these students reach for when they're justifying these things so I think on all sorts of levels these students have been really inculcated into a culture which undermines resilience um, which puts certain ideas for various reasons of kind of cultural sensitivity beyond question and at the same time endorses censorship and so I think whilst yes these students are being ridiculous they need to be taken to task they do pose a big threat to the university if they carry on doing what they're doing unchecked but we can't treat them as if they're kind of an alien invasion from space that's just a cop-out I think. Yeah I was going to go on to that because the sort of undercurrent of all those aren't students being ridiculous discussions is well it's universities and students are have always been a bit bonkers and they've always done weird and wonderful things and then they get out into the world and actually they calm down and get a bit more sensible about a life in general and sort of their worst excesses kind of get chipped off so does it really matter that this stuff is going on in student unions it's it's a it's almost like a safe space like an insulated little space that doesn't really have any impact on the rest of society or or does it well i think that there's always the kind of superficial answer which is you do worry that these people might be running the country one day and if they have this a liberal and outlook this kind of crazed pc hysteria as to how they see the world um that's definitely going to pose a problem but i think in many ways we're seeing society moving in this direction anyway I think student politics has always been the kind of sharpest expression of certain ideas um, that are kind of bubbling away in society particularly what is seen at least as radical politics and I think we're very much moving in that direction I mean this week we saw parliament debate whether they should ban Donald Trump from the country off the basis of what he said so I think that of course we need a bit of perspective and insofar as saying that this is not a huge section of society it's not even a huge section of students we should always remember that but at the same time um, we need to um, recognize the fact that they are responding to a broader cultural climate one which sees banning sombreros as a good idea on campus and banning donald trump as a good idea in terms of national policy so i think as at the same time as we need to 
have a little bit of perspective. Students have always been a bit mad and a bit illiberal. <laughs> we still need to recognise that they're responding to these broader cultural problems. It needs to be taken up across the board. So if it is such a broad problem, what can you do about it? Because if it's so sort of insidious, it's, it's sort of, you know, it reflects a, a rottenness in society, other than saying... But free speech is a good thing, mm. surely. I mean, uh, what can you actually do about it? Well, I think we do start to just need to have out the argument again. I think there's been a lot of, particularly on campus, been a lot of students who are wary about making these arguments because in the way these debates played out, they can be so easily be cast as if, you know, if you're arguing in favour of having a far-right group down because you believe in freedom of speech, how easily you're painted as a bigot, how easily all of this happens. I think we need... Um, students really need to kind of grow a pair and get stuck into this discussion because we haven't had out this argument for a very long time it feels we people whether it's politicians or university managers who on occasion like to pose as defenders of free speech and academic freedom pay lip service to free speech but we never really have out that hard argument about what free speech really means what proper free speech fundamental free speech across the board really means and so whilst i think it's deep-rooted problem in society as you gesture to it's a broader discussion than one that needs to happen within a student's union but at the same time i think student union is certainly a good place to start for a lot of the students we meet at least to start having this discussion about it again it's only come to a head now and i think having out this argument properly for the first time in a long time is at least a good place to start now the free speech university rankings don't exist in isolation, because I believe you've got an event coming up mm. to talk about free speech more broadly. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So in, in terms of kind of kicking off this discussion on the 17th of February at Conway Hall in London, we're holding a half day conference called The New Intolerance on Campus. And it's going to be a series of panel discussions and debates looking at the kind of different aspects to this discussion. So we're going to talk about safe spaces, which is, of course, a big buzzword at the moment, this idea on campus that um, students need to be kept safe from um, oppressive words, in some case hand gestures. Um, And we're also going to look at questions around academic freedom, particularly in relation to the boycott and divestment and sanctions movement against Israel, the kind of threat posed to free inquiry by academic boycotts. And finally, we're going to have a session on no platform and hate speech, which I think really gets the nub of a lot of what we're talking about insofar as it feels like today a lot of commentators will kind of sound off about no platform policies despite the fact something like our hate speech legislation, which springs from precisely the same logic, isn't questioned. So we're going to treat that as an opportunity to kind of drill down into this. There'll be plenty of students coming, plenty of academics and anyone interested should definitely go and sign up. So where do they sign up? So they, if you go over to um, spiked-online.com, there's a link on the homepage and you can go and put your tickets there. Brilliant. Okay, I look forward to it. So Tom Slater, thank you very much. Thanks.